Let's jump in today to Romans. We are in a study of Romans, and we're at the end of chapter 3. And I'd like to pray before we get in the Word. Lord, we thank you for uh, just that amazing thought of how you valued us and gave the infinite price. And let us value you back to be in your family and just to keep that at the forefront of our mind. And Lord, we just ask that you would speak to us now in the book of Romans. Speak to us as we look in this text. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're in Romans chapter 3, and um, I had T.T. go get this chair out of the lobby. For some reason, I'm experiencing some dizziness, so I'm just going to sit down and preach so that I don't fall over, and then the ser- it's not about the sermon, it's about, did you see how many times Pastor Ryan bounced? That was amazing. So that's... <laughs> That's not the main point today, so I'm just going to sit here so we don't have anything weird go on, Uh, but it it feels probably more weird to me than you. But anyways, that's why I'm sitting down. For some reason, my head's turning. All right. What I want to start with is this thought of uncovering expanding benefits. I don't know if you've ever looked into something and there was an initial, oh, this is great. This does this great thing. And then the more you look, the more, but it does this and it does this and it does this and it does this. I'll give you an example. A few weeks ago in one of my sermons, I shared how I just had this frustration, discouragement moment when I realized that my shirts weren't buttoning anymore. I don't know if you were here, remember that. And so we're like, we got to do something different. I can't fit my clothes. And, I was fr- and so we kind of start, okay, I've done tons of different diets and health programs. And we came across this material on intermittent fasting. It's the idea that you eat in a very limited time of the day. And, uh, and so we we're like, wow, you do this fasting and your body switches from burning all the sugar that I ate to burning all the sugar that I ate previously that's now stored as fat. And, uh, and it just happens if you eat, say, in a five-hour window and then don't eat for 19 hours. And uh, so it's, there's lots of different books. We read this one. And it's this amazing thing. When you don't eat, you don't get fat. Who would have knew? But... Uh, but there's actually these amazing things that, okay, this works. Your body starts burning the fuel I've already stored. But then as you read on, you find, but you know, fasting actually allows your body to take all these old damaged cells, and this whole process kicks in called autophagy, which don't, I don't really understand it. It might make me sound smart, but I'm not that. Um, where it takes old dead cells or bad cells, and it repurposes them for healthy things. And then I talked about when you're fasting, your body actually it helps your skin And it helps with inflammation, so then your joints don't hurt as much. And then it can even help if people are fighting serious diseases. It can even help if you're fighting cancer. It can even help if you're—it can reverse type 2 diabetes. And on and on, and it's like, whoa! All I have to do is not eat for certain periods of time, and your body actually kicks into a higher level of energy. Now, if this is at all piquing your interest, do your own reading— Talk to your own doctor. If you're passed out at work, well, my pastor told me to stop eating. No, do your own research. But the point is, um, I'm feeling actually really good doing this for a couple weeks. But there's all these benefits. It's just this thing. This isn't a healthcare sermon. But just this idea that I thought it was one thing. And there's this unfolding thing of health benefits that can come from this change. And that's what I want us to see today in the gospel. Even John was talking about a little bit. That a lot of times we think 
the gospel is our sins are forgiven and we go to heaven when we die. And isn't that great? And the more what we're going to see here at the ends of Romans chapter 3 is that there actually are more and more benefits than you even thought. So it's not just the gospel. It's not just the good news. So let me review where we were quickly and then we'll look at today's passage. This is where we left off last week. This was this beautiful climax moment in the end of chapter 3 where we went from all this bad news of the wrath of God and the judgment of God to 21. It says, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift to the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. That was the good news that we are made right with God through his gracious gift, through him paying the ultimate price. That redemption language is setting free a prisoner on payment of price. He paid the price that we can be justified. We can be declared right before God through our faith in Christ. That's where we left off last week, this amazing verse, this gospel news. But there's actually more. There's actually more benefits. It actually goes beyond that, and it expands out. The same way I found fasting can actually expand out to other health benefits. Faith in Christ brings needed change. And I'm going to show you three areas today of these expanding benefits, the changes that come as a result of us trusting in Christ. So we're going to read Romans 3, and we're going to do verses 27 to 31 today. We're just going to close off the end of chapter 3. So Romans 3, 27 to 31. It says, Then what becomes of our boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By law of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Or is God the God of the Jews only? Is he not the God of the Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. Since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means. On the contrary, we uphold the law. So that's our just little section today, and we're going to look at the faith in Christ bringing needed change, these expanded benefits. Here they are. I'll give them all 3D up front for making an outline. These are points one, two, and three. We change from pride to praise. We change from being exclusive to inclusive. And we change from failure to fulfillment. Those are the changes. This is the expanding benefits of faith in Christ. So the first one, we change from pride to praise. From pride to praise. So the first thing that we get to after this explanation of the gospel, the good news of Jesus and faith in Christ, his redemption, he says, then what becomes of our boasting? He says, it's excluded. What's this whole thing rooted in? Boasting isn't like, did you see that great jump I just did on my bike? Check that out. It's more of in relation to this whole concept of being righteous before God. Boasting is a self-achieved performance record. 
I did this. I did that. I followed the rules. Therefore, I'm in. So this is brought up because this was the typical way anyone looking at the law of Moses, understanding God's commands, and typically a Jewish person raised with it would say, yes, I'm measuring myself against obeying God's law. So our author, Paul, actually gives us one of these. He gives us one of Philippians, and he's describing it. John read the end of this passage. He's describing it. This is what I was before I met Christ. This is a a boasting so in Philippians 3.3, 3, he says, For we are the circumcision, talking about as a Jewish person, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Confidence in the flesh would be another way of saying, look what I did. It says, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has a reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. And so he's gonna, I'm just showing you, this is what a boasting or performance record looks like. I've circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. It's like I did, I checked all the boxes from my, my heritage, my tribe. I followed the law to the point of being a Pharisee. I memorized the whole Old Testament. I came up with extra rules. I made sure everyone did it right. And when this Christian thing showed up, I was bringing that down. See, that's, a moral, that's what a record looks like. But then he says, I threw all that out once I met Christ. But I just wanted you to see that. He's speaking to people who have this whole upbringing under the law, and their whole understanding was, I do the law, therefore I have a boast or a case to make before God. I did this. I gave that. I went here. I did that. And boasting leads to pride. And pride is ugly. Jesus tells another parable, of, and, he, and he lays this out. This is in Luke 18. He says, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves, right? Boasting that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So it wasn't just, I've, look what I did, God. It was, I'm righteous, therefore I can look down on you. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, I'd have a great moral record, great boast. The other, a tax collector, worst of the worst. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I, here's his record, see it? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So he's saying, (laughs) we need a change here. When you come to Christ... You no longer have boasting. We change from this pride. Look what I did. Look at my religion. And you're saying, well, I'm not really from a Jewish background. Look at how many times I went to church. Look at how many times I signed up. Look at how much money I gave. Look at how many meals I did for the Lighthouse Mission. Look at what I did. And it switches going, you know, there's no boasting. I didn't hang on a cross. I didn't shed my blood for the sins of the world. I didn't even shed blood for my own sins. I don't have anything to claim here. 
we switch to praise. He says, then what becomes of our boasting? What becomes of us standing before God with our own record? He says, it's excluded. It's, it's out. It's abolished. By what kind of law? By a law of works or following the plan of works? No, works is all about that. Here's the rule. I did it. Here's my performance. He says, no, but by the law of faith. It's not the law is now have faith, now have faith. It's this is the way it works. We come before God by faith. For we hold, this is verse 28, that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. It has nothing to do with us creating a moral record. It has nothing to do with us saying, God, I did a good job. We can't be justified. We must trust God. So that when you have faith in Christ, we lay aside that record and we change from pride to praise. All right, pride is selfish and ugly, and it's often rooted in insecurity. Have you ever noticed that? It's often rooted in insecurity. It's about me. Look at me. Look what I did. We saw that parable of the man comparing himself. I give tithes, but what does it immediately do? <laughs> and this sucker over here is terrible. Look how much better it makes us compare. If you've ever known prideful people, there's something repelling about it. It's like, eh, I don't, I don't want to be around you. But it often is rooted in insecurity. You think you're not enough, and so you cover, and so you overcompensate. But praise is beautiful, right? And it's rooted in gratitude. It was beautiful to share communion today and think about how much Jesus died and gave for us. And there's something beautiful because it humbles you and it focuses our heart not on yourself but on what he's done. And when you're a thankful person, it's attractive. It's, you want to be around thankful people. And it focuses on God. Praise is focused on God. A performance record is focused on myself. So that's this first change. When you come to Christ... We lay aside the performance record. And you don't need to start a new one. How many times I go to church? How many times I serve? I got to prove my worth. I got to know all the answers. No, we just want to be filled with praise. You did it. You did it. You saved us. And it's this expanding benefit where we take more and more the focus off ourselves, and we put more and more on what Jesus has done. And it's not only wonderful for your own life, it speaks to people. Why is that person so thankful? Why are they so humble? Well, they're recognizing it's not about what I've done, it's about what he's done. So that's the first one. We change from pride to praise. The second one is a change from exclusive to inclusive. See that there in verse 29. Or is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles also? Yes, of Gentiles also. And so one of the collisions that you read a lot about in the scripture is between people who are ethnically Jewish and everyone else who are Gentiles. And to be Jewish, you were the chosen people of God, you were given the law, but it also developed this, we were chosen by God, therefore we're better, and Gentiles are low, and scum, and sinful, and dirty, there was a time, this, this conflict, if you read through the book of Acts, this, this was plaguing much of the early church. Who do we associate? Do we eat with them? Do we go with their house? Are they part of the church? The apostle Peter, Jewish apostle Peter, one time he was being called to go to this guy Cornelius' house. 
and who's a Gentile. I just want you to hear what he says. He said, he said, this is when Peter goes into the house of this Jewish man or this Gentile man, Cornelius, and all his friends come to hear the gospel. He said, you yourselves know how unlawful it is for a Jew to associate with or to visit anyone of another nation. See how that worked out in their life? But God has shown me that I should not call any person common or unclean. So they believe by following this and putting the Gentiles in that category, they were calling them unclean. He's saying, God's showing me it doesn't work that way anymore. Exclusivism hurts people, right? It's not just that we're the chosen people of God. It's we're the chosen people of God. Therefore, you are out. You are out. There's this famous experiment that was done, I think, in the 50s. And the school teacher wanted to teach kids how harmful racism was. And so they all came in one day. They filmed this. And she said, all right, I want you all to pay attention. Everyone with blue eyes is good. You get to eat lunch first. You go to recess first. You're better. Everyone with brown eyes is sad. You're, you're less. You're not as good. You're going to go last. And you just watch the shock. These kids, they're like, I don't know, third grade. And the kids with brown eyes are putting their heads down. The kids with blue eyes were like, yeah. And within days, they developed these just hurtful attitudes. They were picking on kids in recess, all because the teacher said, blue eyes good, brown eyes bad. And she's saying, this is, she's like, I just told you this. And the behavior just changed immediately. And when we, if we develop this idea, I'm in, I'm good, I'm better, conversely, it turns around to, therefore, you're out, you're bad, you're less than. And so this exclusivism was existing then between Jews and Gentiles, but it can exist now between, uh, you know, Christians or non-Christians or, or however we, we view ourselves. But here's the reality with exclusivism, both sides are hurt. One is prideful. God hates pride, right? Pride comes before the fall. So one is prideful. I'm in the in-group. Isn't God happy? I'm on his team. And the other one is rejected, and so you feel shameful, and you feel weak. And he's he's saying, there's no place for this. There's no place for racism, exclusivism, any ism when you come to Christ. This is one of the benefits. He says, is God the God of the Jews only? Is it just for Jews this happened? Is he not the God of the Gentiles of all people groups? Yes, of Gentiles also, since God is one. It's one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised by faith. He's really telling us that faith in Christ gives everyone access. It's the great leveler. Everyone comes to the cross. Everyone has to trust in Christ. Everyone has sin and needs to be forgiven in Christ. It doesn't matter what your race Religion, gender, ethnicity, faith is the equalizer and faith is the open door. Just read a little bit of this from Ephesians chapter 2. It says, Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision. So this is between Jew and Gentiles, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that at you that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. This is before Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 
For he himself is our peace who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in the place of two, so making peace. And he might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." That's powerful, saying both Gentile and Jews, all people are being built into a temple where God dwells. So he's saying there's no place for you to say, oh, except you. The Spirit of God has joined us into God's dwelling place. Everyone is welcome there. We can't say, well, except you or your kind or your group. And so there's this beautiful thing. Our world right now is very disrupted and upset about issues of racism and exclusivism and so it's this movement and that movement and this political party none of that will do it this is the great answer jesus christ death and faith in christ brings everyone into his family any background and so this this is what does it we actually have that to bring to our world hey it's in christ we're made one it's in christ you're brought in the family of god it's in christ that every nation comes so that's one of the expanding benefits. There's a change from exclusive, my group, my background, my race, to inclusive, all of them in Christ. And the third change is from failure to fulfillment. Change from failure to fulfillment. So at the end of Romans 3, 3.31, he says, Do we then overthrow the law by this faith? By no means, on the contrary, we uphold the law. So there's this thought, okay, you just told us the only way to save is in Christ, not doing the law. We need to trust Christ. We can't get there obeying the law, so we just toss it out. I mean, right now, we're just going to rip right here. Just rip the old, just rip it out. No. So he's talking about the law of Moses. Do we throw this out? All this stuff, the commandments, the Ten Commandments, and the, the laws, do we just throw it out? He says, no, we uphold it. We uphold it. Well, how do we uphold the law? If we don't need it to be righteous, how do we uphold the law? We need to understand its role in salvation. What role does the law play in salvation that we would say we need to hold this up? Psalm 19.7 says, the, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, Making wise the simple. So this law of God isn't something you throw out. It revives your soul. It awakens you up. It makes wise the simple. It's saying, hey, simple is a nice way of saying uh, idiot, fool, sinner, ruining your life. Hey, God's law is going to point you in the right direction. How does it do it? Romans 3.19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped. And the whole world be held accountable to God. 
For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. You think, well, how is this good? You actually need to know you have a problem, right? You need to know. His law revives your soul. It wakes you up. Hey, you're failing. Hey, you're not going to make it. Hey, you don't meet the Ten Commandments. You can't justify yourself. You're in trouble. It's a nice warning sign. We have have a, a neighbor across the street and we always trade back and forth with each other. Hey, you went to bed with your garage door open. Oh, thank you. I really appreciate you letting me know so stuff's not stolen. Right? Don't you appreciate a warning if something's wrong? That's a little thing. The law says, hey, you don't measure up. Hey, you can't walk in before God and be righteous. Hey, you're going to answer for your sin. Do you know that? Hey, it's a warning sign. Galatians 3.23 says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we may be justified by faith. The law leads us to our need for Christ. So you don't want to throw that out. We need to know there's a problem before you can be saved. We need to realize I fall short or else what am I being saved from? I'm good. I'm a great person. Everything's going well. Well, let's look. Have you ever stolen anything? Well, you know, like when I was a kid. Yeah. So you're a thief. You ever lied? Well, you know, who hasn't lied? Well, then apparently you're a lying thief. How good of a person are you? Right? Like, oh, wait a minute. We actually need that. The law, wait, I fall short. I need to be saved. I'm not good enough as I am. No. It says no one's going to be good enough. We don't throw that out. So here's the good thing. The law, it's a change from failure to fulfillment. The law reminds us, I fail. I can't do this on my own. I need faith. But here, we're going to get to this later in the book of Romans. Romans 8, it says, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So he's saying you can't do it, but when you come to Christ and His Spirit is living in you, He actually helps you obey. He fulfills it in you. He helps you. doesn't mean we don't ever stumble, but He helps you want to obey God and want to follow, not because you're earning anything, because you're thankful. And living God's laws is peaceful. Holiness brings freedom. I'm not in trouble. I'm not having to answer to anybody. I'm not guilty about anything. And so there's this change from failure. We don't throw the law out. The law is fulfilled by pointing us to Christ. And then when you have Christ, you begin to actually fulfill it and live it out. So we uphold the law. We just need God's help to do it. And so faith in Christ brings these needed changes. So we change from pride to praise. I remember I had this guy I was reaching out to, and I was sharing the gospel. He's from a different background, and uh, he just never listened. Right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then he would talk over me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that. It's like this. And he kept thinking what he believed about God was actually it. It's like, no. And I would try to explain, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all the same thing. And he just never listened. And I think it actually kept him from hearing. Like he just wouldn't listen because he knows all the answers. So there was no growth. 
and there was no change, and there was no gratitude. He kind of had it all figured out, knew all the answers. And eventually, you're just like, oh, I just, there's no more entering in here. So I just wonder if there's this stirring that we want to change from pride. We want to say, yeah, yeah, I know all the answers. I've got it all down. We want to say, Lord, I am just thankful. Or maybe the change for you from pride to praise is you're just going to say, I can't do my performance record anymore. I just want to have yours, which is perfect. And you can just be thankful instead of trying to keep this thing up and, and always uh, know this. And uh, it looks beautiful. There's a person in our church, I didn't tell him I was going to say this, so I'll just tell his initials, RS. But every time the gospel's talked about, he just gets tearful. He's like, it's just so good. He's just so overwhelmed and thankful. And it just, it draws me in every time he's doing, I see him do it. He's just like, I'm just so thankful for the gospel. It just never gets better. And it's just fabulous. I want to be like that. I'm just filled with praise. Then we have this change from exclusive to inclusive. I think I'm so thankful. This is our church. We have one of the most inclusive churches. And, and, and maybe not necessarily in racial diversity, though we're all happy for any ethnic background to be here. But also, I think we handle socioeconomic differences amazingly well. Someone in total poverty, someone doing fine, you're all welcome in here. Someone dressed up in a suit, someone in ratty clothes, it doesn't matter. You're going to get talked to, you're going to get greeted, you're going to be invited in. There's something wonderful about that. I'm so proud of our church for that and for our youth group over the years. It's not been clicky, you're out, we're the, it's just like, hey, new kids come in, we want you to be here. If you're different than us, if you're sporty, you're not sporty, it just doesn't matter. And I just want to celebrate this as our, as our church, that we want anyone here. And, and there, it's the gospel. The gospel includes all nations, all people, all income levels, all abilities, all intelligences. We just want to grow in that. And then finally, from failure to fulfillment. I don't know if, if you're like me in this, but you know who the, the meanest person in my life is? Me. To me. Yeah, not to you, hopefully. To me. Me to me. My self-talk can be terrible. Do anybody have that? Your self-talk, you just be, oh, you'll never get it right. You just, you're going to fail again. Oh, there you go again. And oh, you did. And you just, when we have Christ in us, the law is fulfilled in us. His spirit is in us. We're made righteous. We got to rebuke that. Like, no. Whoa. I'm fulfilling Christ by his spirit. I'm, and if you fail, you ask for forgiveness, I'm right back on track. We don't want to be our worst critic because he says we uphold the law. The law is fulfilled in Christ, in us. You're part of his temple. He's dwelling among you. That self-talk's got to go out. Now, if it's the Holy Spirit saying, hey, stop that, you need to listen to the Holy Spirit. But if it's your own voice telling you how terrible you are again, no, no. The law is fulfilled in Christ. You're made righteous in Christ. His spirit is living in you. So faith in Christ brings that needed change. So take some moment to ponder that as we pray and sing. Are you in a place of pride and you need to switch to praise? Are you in a place of exclusive and you need to bring people in inclusive? Are you in a place of failure? Like, you know what? I need to realize Christ has fulfilled it in me and go with that this week. Lord Jesus, we thank you for these changes the gospel makes. Let us be filled with praise. 
Let us be the most welcoming, gracious, generous people we can be. And let us realize the gospel is fulfilled. The law is fulfilled in Christ in us. You make us righteous. Let us listen to that voice and not the voice of failure and shame. And we just thank you and praise you. We love you. And we thank you again. Let us just serve and enjoy that today at four, setting up the toy store. We just work together and welcome each other. And then the community would sense the inclusive nature of the gospels that enter this building this week, Lord. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.